Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Film Chat Origins, a spin-off podcast that explores the thrilling and gruesome history of the iconic growling podcaster Danny Moran. We'll delve deep into Danny's violent past, from the death of his Canadian father in 1854 at the hands of their groundskeeper, who turns out to be Danny's real father, through his rivalry with his evil half-brother Sam, persisting through the American Civil War, both World Wars and Vietnam, and into the late 80s when Danny is recruited by an evil military program which wants to graft metal onto his skeleton and turn him into the ultimate killing machine. All that and more would be coming up if this was a adaptation of the 2009 film X-Men Origins Wolverine. It's actually just a podcast in which we talk about and review films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me, a man who is just sick to the back teeth of killing people, but he just keeps on having to kill more people, Danny Moran. Hello. Hello. On this week's film chat, I review L, the latest film from legendary director Paul Verhoeven, starring screen icon Isabelle Huppert. It's a harder categorized film, which is sort of a thriller slash mystery, slash comedy, slash drama. It has a certain, I don't know what, or as the French would say, c'est un film. <laughs> then Sam and I tackle Logan. Not literally, the man is massive and fictional, but the film Logan, in which Hugh Jackman plays Wolverine one last time and kills everybody, but feels bad about it. Will we be ripping the film to shreds with our critical claws, or is the film as indestructible as an adamantium skeleton? Keep listening to find out. We also look at some exciting castings around the new film by adult Tarib Lars von Trier and speculate how a recently announced Steven Spielberg film starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep is the Hollywood equivalent of a new royal baby. All of which should leave me just enough time before my latest impression, Sydney Greenstreet starring in the film Greenstreet. Ha ha ha, hello, yes, you're a character. Middle of slags, ha ha. Yes, you're going to get your head kicked in. We'll go to the back of the ambulance. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Woo films, films that star Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films short, films six hours long. So, Danny and I didn't receive any correspondence this week, 
I, I only assume that we have so many listeners that they each feel like nervous about writing in. It's like you don't write into Mark Kermode because you're never going to get read out. Yeah. He gets too many people writing in. You say that, but I opened up our Facebook and just a digital series of moths flew out. Oh, no. I don't know why Facebook introduced that feature. It's cruel. <laughs> it's cruel. There's some digital tumbleweeds just blew past my screen. Beautifully animated, but yeah. mean. Mean? That's some Web 3.0 that I don't need. So um, so we've had to just fill this space with more stuff. So what caught our attention this week? Um, the IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, has introduced a new designation, which is tagged to all of its films, called the F rating. And it is a designation that highlights um, movies which are written and directed by women or that have particularly strong female representation in them. And you can get up to three Fs, depending on how you fill those categories. Whoa. And it seemed like an appropriate thing to chat about for International Women's Day. Which is today. Which is today. As of recording, it will be in the past by the time you hear this. Yeah, it's a cool thing. And it's a bit more sophisticated than the Bechdel test. I was looking at the top 250 in like films that pass the Bechdel test, which is um, if two named female characters talk about something other than a man. And like stuff like Goodfellas passes the Bechdel test. Yeah, yeah. One scene where the wife chats to another gangster mole. Right. Yeah. About well, but like shopping. <laughs> but the um, that test was always supposed to be more like something that when you start applying it, you realize how few films pass. Yeah, yeah. Rather than like a kind of stamp of approval or disapproval for individual movies. So uh, if you had such a system, it would obviously have to be a little bit more um, sophisticated than the Bechdel test. But yeah, it seems like uh, an unambiguously good thing. It um, is an idea that originated in 2014 at the Bath Film Festival. And uh, the uh, director, Holly Tarkini, of the Bath Film Festival presented a TED Talk last year, which is promoting this concept. And it's obviously a huge boost for it to be promoted by IMDb, which is, you know, um, one of the biggest, the, the, the one, the, the big one. movie resource on the internet. There was some discussion of how, like, it could be more prominent. Like, you have to kind of go on the tagging system in IMDb to find it or something like that. I think it should be, like, just a massive F or lack of an F. And you have to scroll down, like, several feet before you get to get rid of information. It It should be, like, a pop-up. You know, like, those things that say, uh, we noticed you're using an ad blocker. It should be like that. But it should be, like, we noticed that you're browsing a film that doesn't have an F rating. You sure? You sure? You sure you want to look at this? You sure? You alt-right? bastard <laughs> yeah are you are you a pepe yeah <laughs> if so you might enjoy this film should be a lot more judgmental but yeah it's cool i'm actually sam i'm actually a bit annoyed where's the m rating you know yeah. where's the m rating for us men that's a good point that's a really good point actually i do feel a bit left out yeah sometimes like i just want to watch a film about men and i'm just like i can't think of one <laughs> You, you just you just go through the channels like just fl- oh, can I please find a film of a man in it? I'm just scrolling through Netflix, like looking at all these like uh, women and stand up comedian like specials and like films about uh, female soldiers doing missions and like what? It's like well, come on, like come get me on. to a man's film, would you please? All these like action films starring like women have to be taken out of retirement for one last time to do like last hit and like <sighs> you know all the classics. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's boring as fuck. So <laughs> it's just another evidence of the matriarch. I've actually cut, turned around 100% on this, <laughs> and it's just the matriarch. You turned around it? 100%. Yeah, yeah, I've turned around 100%. <laughs> All right, don't don't question that. Potentially, like, mathematically mixed. That's okay. Um, yeah, I say... I say death sp- death to the matriarchy. Death to the matriarchy. <laughs> Long live the patriarchy. <laughs> and happy International Women's Day. <laughs> 
When is International Men's Day? It's November the 19th. It's November the 19th. <laughs> yeah, I know. Superhero films announced, casting rumours leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped, Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint, that's the news that's fit to print. Top Hollywood project is in production. One of the most beloved filmmakers, Hollywood royalty, Steven Spielberg. He's like, I need some actors who are as revered and beloved as me. I get Tom Hanks, worked with him a bunch of times. He's the nation's granddad now, mm-hmm. pretty much. He's just the Jimmy Stewart slash Henry Fonda slash he should be president now guy. And who is his uh, female equivalent? Meryl Streep. Obviously. The most decorated actress. Everyone almost, loves them. Everyone loves them. They, they, they can't stand up in a room without being covered in applause and roses yeah it's gonna make filming quite hard just to cut out all the standing ovations they're gonna get wherever they film every every time they like uh move to a new location there's just gonna be reams of uh film critics and ador- adoring hangers on wandering in it's gonna be just cheering and it's whooping. gonna be a nightmare so the trio are gonna team up for a true life publishers versus politicians drama the post Ooh, timely this sounds like yeah they're gonna love this everyone's um, gonna love this film in this hanks will play real life washington post editor ben bradley who uh, was also featured in All the President's Men because he covered Watergate. And Streep is going to play the paper's publisher, Kay Graham. And the film will cover how the Post helped in exposing the Pentagon Papers, which were papers which had unreported facts about the government's aim to perpetuate the conflict in Vietnam and how they went to court for them to actually report on this and take Nixon to task. A righteous bunch of journalists taking a bad president to task for his lies yeah whoa Wait, if only they would do that now huh that's what we yeah. need now yeah what do you think sam does that sound like a good movie well when you first um when you messaged me to say that uh you're suggesting this news item of a, a collaboration you know, upcoming between spielberg hangs and street my initial reaction was like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> i kind of felt like though i'd already seen the entire film just from knowing who was going to be in it and having now seen a little, you know, and heard a little bit more about the contest for it, it doesn't sound particularly more appetizing to be honest with you. It sounds like the most liberal movie ever. It's such a like reaction to the current climate, you know, where it's like um, uh, everything is in total chaos. What we really need is some cru- like just heroic guys, you know, crusading journalists to yeah, like, sort things out, you know. And uh, I don't know. I, I find that well, having seen Bridge of Spies, I'm a bit underwhelmed by it. The idea of another movie where Tom Hanks plays like a perfectly pure hero who just like is kind of modest and he struggles through against the odds and he does blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know. I have very little appetite for it. That's the sort of, I was thinking about it in terms of like Spielberg's filmography. It's got a slightly hagiographic relationship to like America. And I think there's a bit, something a bit Aaron Sorkin-y about how he makes films like Saving Private Ryan is all about the horrors of war, but kind of framed within this sort of like, the bugle playing and the waving flag is like but aren't they heroes it's like wasn't the whole point of the movie that like war is horrible and meaningless but it's like not at the end it meant something but it didn't but it did and similarly like Bridge of Spies it's like for like half of that movie you're like oh it's kind of like this interesting both sides of the Cold War are bad as each other but it's like naturally no the Americans are are great and the the Ruskies are terrible yeah and so yeah he's not the most subtle of filmmakers is he I think I think the the basically part of the issue with the the worldview is that it's sort of examining these things that are contradictions in America or that like are good and bad parts of America. But Spielberg is 
making an argument that one of those is like real America yeah, and the yeah. other isn't the real America. Fake so America. It's like fake America. Fake America, fake president. So, in, well, in Bridge of Spies, it's all about how like Tom Hanks is the real embodiment of American values and how, you know, like everyone else isn't basically, you know, yeah. like he's, he's the sort of walking, um, walking bald eagle in that movie. Yeah. And the problem is exactly as you say that it's kind of hagiographic and that it like, means you don't actually have to deal with any of the problems because you just see uh any of the sort of negative aspects of america is just like um they're not real they're not, exactly it's like it's just something they'd be kind of like dealt with by the true american heroes which is just like you know uh middle class uh like uh, crusaders white, white <laughs> middle class white crusaders yeah um i was listening to some i was listening to like a podcast where they were talking about how like um the movie good night and good luck is like the ultimate movie appealing to like the liberal imagination in that same kind of way when like that was a real historical example of a guy basically with like one devastating own he brought down mccarthy or whatever and like <laughs> that's what they want to do with trump yeah, you know? yeah just like um absolutely own them in the field of rhetoric and then like well thereby triumph and like journalism is a field where that area of like devastating verbal owns crosses over with like real world results because like the stories yeah, the papers published absolutely. have impact so that it's sort of perfect for that like and and like any kind of um more like vicious or dangerous struggle is you know you don't you don't need to bother with it. it's just like you just type your story on the you know yeah yeah and you, and type you, it up and, and then wait. i don't know how trump's still alive because john Oliver destroyed him destroyed him and then absolutely destroyed Schwarzenegger him. owned him like last <laughs> week and then obama like like killed him <laughs> like, yeah He's just been obliterated so many times. And he's just still there. He's still there. He's just still there. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He well, got destroyed. I'm George sure Stewart destroyed him. That's actually one of the things that's kind of funny is that, like, to make this... I mean, you can't judge this movie before it's been made or whatever, but, like, to make this movie about how, like, journalists, you know, helps, uh, like, deal damage to a president via a scandal, it's like, this guy is scandal-proof. He's had every possible scandal. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. You know, there is no way that, like, some scandal is going to come out and then everyone's going to turn against him. What's you know. the well, you know, maybe pedophilia is the last, like. Uh, I think. Well, I was, th I was thinking about this in the context of like what brings down entertainers' careers. Yeah, and and I think yeah, pedophilia or like actual like murder, for example, if he was actually like had actually murdered somebody. Yeah, that that might do it. <laughs> I think if if it had turned, if there was like concrete evidence that he like raped somebody, probably not. Yeah, it's probably not going to be enough. Yeah, but like maybe like murder or pedophilia that would actually bring him down. Yeah, rapists, you know, they can still be in stuff. Yeah, rapists are, like, are fine. <laughs> like Mike Tyson's a rapist. He's just like in The Hangover. He's so funny in The Hangover. <laughs> with like, his hey, tiger and hey, stuff. His famous rapist, Mike Tyson, <laughs> and his tiger. Oh, we can't find where we put the best man. Oh, this rapist might know. <laughs> it's mental. Yeah. <laughs> it is extremely strange. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I like. I feel like I haven't. I haven't expressed my political position on this particularly clearly, but I know it. It does definitely seem like this sort of old Hollywood establishment reacting in the you know most old-fashioned, heroic way it knows how, but that will have no political relevance or impact beyond like making everyone super pleased about these old legends doing the good. Yeah, fighting the good fight. How many Oscars do you reckon it will win? Probably about a million Oscars. No, nine? nine. Nine million. <laughs> At least Oscars. nine. We should put a bet on now. Oh yeah. It does sound, it sounds like genetically engineered in a lab. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, given the shit that's had successful nominations <laughs> in the past. I think Moonlight will just be stood out as like 
the one time the best picture won best picture. This would be and the then, ultimate repository. Yeah, like, every, like next year, I'd be the like, most yeah, comforting, yeah. like middle of the road film ever. Cleans exactly. Up. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, speaking of comforting middle of the road, this is not going to be that. This news story, Lars von Trier. We always love Lars von Trier's news stories. He is hard at work on his next movie called The House That Jack Built. And uh, the, the titular character of Jack is played by Matt Dillon. I think we might have talked about it before on the podcast. Yeah, when he announced the project. When he announced the project, yeah. And he's basically a genius serial killer, and he's killing people over 12 years, and he sees murders as a work of art. Have wow. you ever seen that uh, portrayed in movies before? No, I've never, never. seen that before. Like, uh, yeah. like genius serial killers who perform genius murders. That is a brand new idea. I'm so glad that Lars von Trier is bringing it to the screen. Uh, and the latest news is that Uma Thurman has joined the project, along with Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Uh, and Uma Thurman was one of the real highlights of Nymphomaniac. Yeah, she was brilliant in Nymphomaniac. And it was a real, like, hey, remember Uma Thurman? She's a great actress. Just give her some good part. And she kills and she, it. And she crushes exactly. it. Well, the thing is, like, the thing with Uma Thurman is that I was so, you know, in love with her after seeing Pulp Fiction, uh, you know, back yeah. in the day. And then uh, was excited when she had a new movie out or whatever, and it would never be doing anything that seemed, like, remotely interesting. Oh, come on. What about my super ex-girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that she'll be given something that's more interesting to do than, you know, her um, rom-commy fair, like, Prime or whatever. Or playing Medusa in Percy Jackson and The Lightning Thief. I haven't seen that. That was a great role. Was it a good role for her? Yeah. Brilliant role. Yeah. I've only seen uh, Sea of Monsters, which is a great film. Superior. Superior sequel, but the Uma Thurman scene in the first one, it's it's also very good. My big question is, um, where do you think this is going to rank on the Matt Dillon best film list? Will it it top? It can't be better than Wild Things, right? No. You can't get better than that. Remember the time you watched it at your house and then your mum called you during the threesome scene? Like your no, folks are away, and then like you got like your parents like called, and you're like, "You kidding me?" Like, <laughs> mom, mom, I'm watching a sexy film. <laughs> oh, sure. it's the most famous, better, most famous scene in that movie. Yeah, you remove the. It's just like you know them calling. To be you honest, during... I, I don't remember anything else about the film. Isn't oh. it some kind of like dark, twisted noir? Isn't it with like Matt Dillon and Neve Campbell and no, it's um. Is it Naomi Campbell and no Neve Campbell sounds well, Neve right? Neve Campbell and Denise Neve, Richards. Denise Richards, that's it. Yeah, Denise Richards. And yeah. Kevin Bacon's in it as well, I think. Of course he's in it. Of course, yeah. of course, Bacon's in it. You got to put Bacon in it. Yeah, it's like they're all like double crossing and evil or something. <laughs> Kevin Bacon says that. <laughs> you got to you got to put Bacon in it. <laughs> just like at sort of award shows, people discussing future projects. <laughs> you got to put Bacon in it. <laughs> Yeah, he's always going over to the table where, like, um, I don't know, Scorsese is talking about his next movie or whatever. It's like, Marty, you got to put bacon in it. Bacon's got to be in it. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, he's already, he, he tries to, um, you know, make his own name iconic, doesn't he? With his string of adverts yeah. for telecoms providers. And uh, what's that one where he's going on about eggs and, like, making breakfast and stuff? 
some oh, weird app where yeah. he's doing that. And he's like lying on the countertop. And he keeps talking about bacon. God. Great guy. <laughs> yeah. The, the rolls must be drying up. <laughs> <laughs> he's not getting those wild things type rolls anymore. Um, but yeah, Matt Dillon. Also, Bruno Ganz is going to be in it. The House of Jack Bell. It's a bit like what we Hitler, talked about. Hitler himself. Hitler, Hitler's going to be in it. Hitler's going to be in it. Um, is he going to re- I hope he reprises his role <laughs> as Hitler. I think it'd be a very Lars von Trier type thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, he understands Hitler, famously. He said so at that kind of press so. conference. Yeah. I understand Hitler, so I cast him in my movie. Jack and Bruno Ganz called him the next day and was like, me too. We got to work together, man. You played it. I understood him too. I, I spent ages. I had to understand him yeah, in order to play him to in play a film. Him. Yeah. It's a bit like what we were saying last week with the new cast for this Yorgos Lanthimos movie. And it's like, Lars von Trier, everybody wants to work with him. Bring me the cool legendary German actor, Matt Dillon, uh, Uma Thurman. Yeah, and well, it, like Nymphomaniac was definitely like that, where yeah. it's like, you know, there is no sell for your role in this film except that it's a Lars von Trier movie. Yeah, exactly. And maybe you just get to do some like weird shit, whatever, turn up for a few days. Yeah, I, I always hope that the, the House of Jack is going to be a similar kind of thing. I'm hoping that it'll be like, kind of fun in the way that nymphomaniac is yeah it was like an event it was well yeah it was a real like um you know a, mo- a movie that was surprising at every turn and, and often funny and i don't know if the, the same would apply if this is like Lars von trier making seven or something you know because well, it might just be a bit too brutal his first movie was about a serial killer elements of a crime so maybe he's coming full circle How, was that good yeah it is really good it's um it's very sort of tarkovsky-esque that's the sort of word I can throw out there. I assume our listeners will just know what I mean by that. Can we go back to talking about threesomes? I don't <laughs> get. I don't get this. Yeah, it's really good. Like he won some like technical award at Cannes, and like had this tantrum about how like he just didn't get the Palm Door or something. <laughs> oh like, really? He's like twenty six. It's like these idiots don't understand me. I'm a genius. <laughs> it's like I love it. It's like you know, born to be some. Even then, and he wasn't on von Terib then, and he was yeah. quite young before he became an adult Terib. Adult Terib, and yeah. then he'll be. A grand, I don't know what's like grand pair, grand grand pair Tarib. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for it. He did say that his film might be shit because he stopped drinking. Um, but but he just he chats shit all the time. He chats shit all the time, so it would just probably be great. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it astonishingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. So, L has finally arrived on UK shores. You've probably seen the posters and trailers for this. This is the one Isabel Huppel's getting so much critical love for, and deservedly so. It is directed by Paul Verhoeven. I've been saying Paul Verhoeven for years. I recently discovered you pronounce it Verhoeven. That's the Dutch pronunciation. You've Good heard to know. it here, maybe first, maybe. Maybe you've heard you're it already. Maybe you are Dutch and you've you've been pronouncing it very naturally. Correctly. You're right. I should uh, give a shout out to our Dutch audience. Yeah, shout out to the Dutch listeners of Film Chat. <laughs> Respect. Respect. Love you guys. Love the Netherlands. Sorry, carry on. It is written by David Burke, adapted from the book O, literally O O H, by Philippe Dijon. And the less you know about the film, the better. But to give you the bare outline, L, as played by Isabel Hubert, is a successful businesswoman. She owns a video game company. And the film begins with a masked intruder breaking into her house and violently raping her. And then she kind of picks herself up and gets on with her day and doesn't seem to react to it or doesn't react in a way you expect. And the film is a character piece all about her. There's this mystery element of who the attacker is, but it's all about, it's sort of like a comedy of manners about her extended family, her ex-husband, her son, her friends, her workplace. And through this, you get something of a picture of who Elle is. And it is in French, so I won't play a clip because you won't understand it. 
shout out to our French audience. Yeah, they'll understand. They'll understand it. it. You can look up the clip, guys. We respect you enough to give you that autonomy. We love our French audience. So, a criticism that is often leveled at films that don't work is that they feel like three different films at the same time. However, if your film is three different films at the same time, but done with lots of wits and bravura and confidence, uh, it is a brilliant film. And that's what L is. It is a very hard to categorize electric piece of cinema, which constantly keeps you on your toes. And the movie and the character are one and the same in that you never really get a handle on what the film's doing uh, in the same way you never really get a handle on who L is. And Isabel Hubert's performance is amazing. And no offense to Emma Stone, but doesn't well you know you watch like la la land you're like ah that's pretty good but you watch oh you're like that's a performance and isabel hooper manages to be kind of brittle mature childish blase uptight all these contradictory modes sometimes simultaneously in a way which is completely consistent and believable and i think she is kind of key to the film's success and in lesser hands it would all fall apart but she is so mesmerizing in it that she holds it all together and shamefully, it's the first Hubert film I've ever seen. I've heard her name. She's like a legendary... Shame! Sort of Shame! <laughs> Shame. Um, but she's like this legendary actress, like screen icon. And I'm like, who is this? Is it about her purpose? And like, can't you be that good? And I wish... Oh, and I was like, she is incredible. She's amazing. I totally get it now. She's awesome. And what's so refreshing about the film is that the character is literally established as a rape victim. That's the first thing you see. But the character is never defined by this event. And part of the reason why this is is because the film defines her in so many ways. And so you see her as like a mother to her son, a boss, an ex-wife, a lover, a daughter. And it builds this really intriguing and complex portrait of a character. And it also allows the film to very deftly hop genres. And for a large stretch, the movie becomes a kind of knockabout comedy at one point. And the kind of point the movie makes is that the rape is the least interesting and important part of her life. Right. It's also really brilliantly directed by Paul Verhoeven. I'm not really a scholar of Verhoeven. I've only seen Robocop and Starship Troopers. You and didn't, you didn't prepare for this review at all. You've never seen a Hooper film. You've only seen two <laughs> of Verhoeven's movies. I know. It's it's shameful. And uh, I might just be internalizing the general critical narrative that surrounds the film. But it is a bit like watching this old pro flex his muscles. And like it's like, I know exactly what I'm doing and you're in safe hands. And it's all done with such supreme confidence and this trademark black humor it's... Well, well there's this sort of like i think part of the kind of narrative around verhoeven is that he's like smarter than his movies you know that like starship troopers is a really dumb film but it's all like ironic and that like yeah, yeah. even the cast doesn't get it or something and like, yeah exactly you know robocop is a satire and like i don't know what basic instinct is a satire of but i mean that film is pretty shit <laughs> uh but like um the you know this kind of thing lends credence to the idea that he's you know that that is true yeah and i think well, well, with Basic Instinct, I think people were perhaps a little trepidatious about this film because on paper, the guy making Basic Instinct is making like a rape revenge movie. Like, what's this going to turn out to be? Yeah, absolutely. But the movie kind of has its cake and eats it because it uses this rape plotline to deliver like some shocking genre frills. But it also takes it seriously without emphasizing it. And the character L and the film refuse to be overwhelmed or defined by this plotline in a way which is really refreshing. And I think it kind of does what Nocturnal Animals doesn't quite succeed in doing, in that it like is a genre film uh, about rape, but actually has something to say about it. It's not just using it just because. Yeah. 
And the most recent comparison I can think of, though it's very different, is something like Gone Girl, where it's just this immaculately made thriller, which is lots of fun to watch. And I'd really recommend watching it with a large audience. And everyone's like gasping at the same moments. And it's also similar in that it's a film which will generate a lot of think pieces about gender politics and rape culture. And there's definitely this thread in the movie about male sexual violence and how that is accepted in society most overtly with this video game company plotline i think in the original book she's just a publisher but in the movie she like has well, she's a, making gta yeah essentially yeah exactly right it's obviously just been changed for extra resonance but you can basically take or leave any of that stuff and before any of that it's just like a really really entertaining film so i would heartily recommend i don't want to talk anymore just go see it shut up before you spoil it stop don't say anymore uh, that's it uh, Great review. Another great review. She's a hermaphrodite. What what I do? I give her away. She's dead. She's Uh, a ghost. The attacker was a clone. She's a ghost with a dick. She's a ghost with a dick. (laughs) Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're going to hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. A joint review shared between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do Danny and I had a film date. We haven't haven't had one of those in a while, actually. We've been seeing our movies separately, but uh, yeah, we yeah, took a You've been seeing your movies with. Um, I just go alone, um, and I go to empty screenings uh, in a Macintosh and just sit there and cry. <laughs> Jesus, and then, and, then I, and then I come back and just invent a, a review based on nothing. Um, but anyway, so we took time of our, out of our busy schedules to go see Logan together. Fun comic book film. What um, could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Uh, this is directed by James Mangold. It is the sixth. Well, I don't know actually how many times as well. It's like the eighth time. Well, Hugh if you include cameos, he's played it nine times. Nine times, right? So it's like the ninth time poor Hugh Jackman has been forced to play Wolverine. And his uh, third kind of standalone movie and like what is like one of the most weird, fractured and incoherent trilogies probably of all time. And the second time James Maggard has directed him because he directed the previous one, The Wolverine, all about him in Japan or whatever. So this is a bit of a departure from all of that. He's everyone is sick of all of that nonsense. No nonsense. Can, no one can understand what the hell is going on in the X-Men franchise. So they're stripping it all down, setting it in the future. And uh, Wolverine, he's old. He's got a big grey beard now. He's old and sad. And he's working as a limo driver, earning enough money to look after uh, Professor Charles Xavier, who's a kind of like dementia adult old man living in a huge kind of iron drum near the border with Mexico. (laughs) And um, in the future, most mutants are gone. They haven't been born in a while. They're kind of children of men-esque kind of premise. And then one day, a very young girl mutant called Laura, who's played by Daphne Keene, turns up and they all have to go on the road together and run away from some evil goons. Here is a clip of Logan at a sort of pit stop on their journey and he's helping a farmer see off a bunch of nasty hicks. Eat him, Mr. Monson. You understand you're trespassing right now, right? I have an easement with the previous owner of your property. (laughs) Previous being the operative word. Who's this? Just a guy telling you to get back in your nice truck and go play okie dickhead somewhere else. Hey, Carl. It looks like Mr. Monson hired some muscle. Looks that way. He's a friend of mine. Friend with a big mouth. I hear that a lot. And you probably hear this, too. 
more than I'd like. And you know the drill. I'm gonna count to three, and you're gonna start walking away. I got rights to this one. One. I have a lawyer now. Two. Three. Ah, ah. Yeah, boss. <clears throat> you know the drill. Get the hell out of here. So we didn't enjoy this film very much. I think it's safe to say we we didn't we didn't like the it. The hive mind rejected decided, this film. Re- <laughs> yeah, the yeah. anti the antibodies came out of the hive mind and and said no. It was sort of the film I thought it was going to be, and then all this critical love came out. And I was like, oh, maybe I've misjudged it. But then I saw it. I was like, no, no, I called it. It was just it was bad. It was bad. Well, today I rewatched one of the trailers for it, not the one with the Johnny Cash soundtrack, but one with like a slightly more upbeat one. And the trailer I thought did a really good job of pointing towards what sort of movie it could have been and kind of the movie that it is sort of thinks that it is or is promising to be and in an age of increasingly like overblown um epic and hysterical superhero films packed with like endless lore that you have to learn and like all that kind of stuff the prospect of a film where it's really stripped down and it's character focused and it's in this kind of elegiac mood is definitely an appealing one yeah and it's got a very tried and tested some might say cliched but certainly solid story arc of this sad old loner learning to find love again or whatever that kind of thing you know like that's fine like i'm happy to see a movie built around that idea with hugh jackman um as wolverine and uh in a way he does a very impressive job with this role because he's been directed by tons of different people who have all done the character in different random ways from the full like cartoonish like you know uh, animated series style just kind of goes and just like stabs people to this sort of tragic figure that the other directors have tried to turn him to but he always kind of throws himself into the role, like no matter how shit the, yeah. the stuff he has he's to really do. He's committed is, to it. He's really admirable. committed to it, and it, I'm always like, feel like the material is not quite meeting him halfway. But I think just by virtue of having played this part for such a long time, he really inhabits it, and he fully owns the role, and um, and he does a really good job in this movie. But basically, all that kind of idea was evoked in the trailer, like there's this old Wolverine, you know, like developing a new bond and stuff against this like slightly stark western-esque dusty backdrop. But there's a problem with the film in that it is a bit too over keen to demonstrate how it's and like it's not like your regular superhero films for babies. No, this sir. is like a grown up superhero film. And that leads it to basically make some artistic choices which are kind of at odds with the moves um, suggested by the trailer, which is that it is like lays on the whole like misery and hopelessness and like the grimness of the future extremely heavily. And also really leans into the violence. And also because of the R rating, like everyone swears as well. Yeah, they do. So um, so Wolverine and Professor X are effing and blinding all the time. And like the violence is like particularly nasty and like unpleasant and like wince inducing. Yeah. It's a bit like a Western where like, but instead of everyone shooting each other, they like stab each other. And there was so much stabbing in this film. It's like, a stabby film. It's so stabby. Like to a sort of degree that by the end has become like comical. <laughs> especially when a lot of it is like both perpetrated by and like on a child uh, there's like a particularly horrible bit of violence delivered to this little girl like early on the film that maybe really made wince in the cinema and it's like i get that she's got this sort of same regenerative powers that wolverine has so you know she's gonna be okay but it's still like what the fuck <laughs> like, you know in yeah. a way in a way that doesn't make you go like wow this movie means serious business but it's just like what the hell are you like why would you do it like that like yeah. it's just unnecessarily grotesque so the basic story outline is taken from this Mark Miller comic called Old Man Logan, which is um, about an aging Wolverine who goes on a road trip in a kind of post-apocalyptic uh, United States. 
and basically everything else about the story is different but i think the film shares a certain sensibility with mark miller and also with the films of matthew vaughan who's adapted some of mark miller's works before which is that they kind of think that they're like above comic books like normal comic books and above like straightforward heroism and that they need to show you these characters in a new light and it's a bit like a kind of post 2000 or like millennial twist 21st century twist on the 80s thing of like psychological realism where like they decided that you know uh, they had to show like this this sort of golden age and silver age yeah, superheroes yeah. in a new light you know like batman has to be this like twisted sure sure like psychologically fucked up guy and all his villains are you know insane and stuff and it's like exploring grown-up themes and that version in uh, this day and age is this kind of like knowing like um uh it knows how you expecting these characters to be presented and it kind of like undercuts the rug you know cuts yeah. the, uh, pulls the rug out from under you and like does it in a crazy way and whereas like vaughn and miller is super flip and this isn't flip at all uh for the most part but it definitely shares this idea that like there's a kind of disdain for heroism and a desire to destroy a comforting fantasy of superheroes and it's like i don't want to comfort you like that's for babies like that's no. like dumb culture that's like uh stupefying the multiplex you know and it's like you know reducing a sword to idiots and the the grown-up thing to do is kind of peel all that away and reveal that there's a reality beneath that is like like violent and nasty and brutal and pointless and i don't think that the problem is like that doesn't actually make a, a for more grown-up story and that it is in its own way just as adolescent as the most like blandest you know superhero film could be yeah and it and it conflicts with the desire to tell this like heartwarming tale about an old man learning to like you know who's like rejected the world and is learning to like love again you know sometimes in really direct ways like um professor x in this film is kind of partly the sort of voice of the world or like the voice of um humanity trying to convince wolverine to come back from his like lonely brink and like form this bond with a child but at the same time he's got this like degenerative brain disease and half the time he's just sort of yelling random shit or like <laughs> having me having to be taken for a piss or having like you know brain spasms and it's like there's no i don't see any like value in portraying the character in that undignified because way. before he so was real. used to be slick and super smart and now he's lost control for reasons but it's like it, it's that it portrays that kind of like mark uh, miller like matthew vaughan approach of like not really liking the characters at all like if you have any fondness for this character like i don't want to see him just like being wheeled in to take a fucking piss you know and like Pat- patrick stewart is like good in the role and he's sort of you know obviously having fun with it and everything like that but it like lessens the power of his purpose as a guy who is like guiding Wolverine toward back towards humanity. If, like, yeah, you know, uh, half of it is about him having Alzheimer's or whatever. And there's also this thing like I'm trying to I don't I want to avoid going to spoiler territory, but there's like a section in the middle of the movie where it kind of calms down and it sort of relaxes into this more like human mode, a sort of human drama mode, which is a very nice change of pace. And then the way that the film like returns back into the action mode of it is like massively violent and horrible and like just destroys whatever it was trying to build yeah and it's like uh oh sorry you thought you're having fun no turns out reality sucks everything is shit if if by the end of the movie he's supposed to reconnect with humanity it's a bit like it's too late man yeah it's like the world sucks you've convinced me that everything is fucking horrible so yeah yeah i thought it had just some basic problems that derive from the fact it's so obsessed with theme that story and plot and character 
just are there to serve a thematic purpose and so they feel incredibly functional so the girl character is very ably played by daphne king she's got a great scowl all she has to do is scowl and yeah, menacing. she's excellent though. And I she mean, she's really really good excellent but she never escapes being like i need a wolverine to have a sort of some sort of symbol of his younger more innocent self it's like it's literally genetically him yeah but young yeah yeah, yeah. and it's that kind of very obvious sledgehammer like metaphors where everything's got a slightly a cipher and the actually the villains are terrible terrible <laughs> totally without any personality and it establishes a road movie thing but i think it's actually quite a lazy device of like well things will slow down and if i want things to happen people just turn up and kill people yeah i found it quite a sort of joyless experience it's very joyless it's very tiring like by the by the end of the film i was really like Ugh. i was just relieved i was relieved when it ended because the stabbing gets completely out of control, and I and I was already a bit like, um, had had the the life sat out of me by the depiction of some like stuff that I really didn't want to see in this kind of movie. Like people like sort of there's like a suicide bomb bit which I didn't really yeah like for no reason. Like there's a character who like blows themselves up in like a grotesque way, and it's like that was pointless. And there's a bit where there's there's some like security footage of um, I don't know, you could cut this out if you deem it a spoiler, but uh, where um. Laura, the young girl, is like self-harming with her, um, yeah, uh, with her claws, but like they heal back, and it's like that's horrible. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, like <laughs> why am I watching this like nine-year-old girl cut her own wrist with a fucking blade? It's like, you know, what kind of movie do you think you are? Like, yeah, you have not earned that level of horror. Well, it's that sort of thing of like you can't deal it. Like this is the real world. It's like that's not the real world. Yeah, this, exact- is, all, this is all made up bullshit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think that it's like the whole attitude of the movie is kind of summed up by having bits where he literally holds an X Men comic and is like, "This sucks. This isn't real. It's stupid. This is dumb. You know, but we're in the real world. This isn't real." But it's like, sorry, your, your film is silly. Like. Yeah. It's based on a comic book. Your guy has claws. Your main character has claws. <laughs> Metal claws that come out of his arms. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's not only bad, but also unpleasant to watch. Like, I don't understand how you could enjoy watching it that much. Yeah, it's like a DC movie. Yeah, just like joyless, like, soul-sucking misery with no glimpse of... But uh, none of the depth that makes that kind of worth it. Yeah, exactly. Like, this doesn't it doesn't reward your investment. It's it like just a, makes it's you like feel like It's like a teenager shit. who's read a lot of Cormac McCarthy and written their own short story. That's exactly what it is. It's like, <laughs> it is it actually sort of like shit Cormac McCarthy is basically what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, no. 5,000 stars. Five, five, out of 10 5, billion stars. stars. Yeah. <laughs> 5,000 stars, but out of the amount of actual stars that are in the universe. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen, but she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends, and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. I was thinking, Sam, that the one thing that might have redeemed Logan is if it had some sort of killer theme tune. I agree. That's what was really lacking. That at the end, it just had some like Johnny Cash track. Because Mangold met Johnny Cash and made a film about him. Good for you, Mangold. What he really should have done is approach one of the greatest musical artists of his generation, Hugh Jackman, to uh, make his own theme tune. He yeah. he somehow managed to invest a lot in the character and likes it, despite you know the shit that it's put him through in terms of like scripts and projects. So I happen to know I've got my ear to the ground and to the grapevine. I've got one ear on the ground, one ear on the grapevine. Yeah. Um, what have you heard on the grapevine and ground? Well, somewhere along those that, that sort of track. Um, it's come on the uh, x-way axis they meet yeah (laughs) and at that point at the at the point where they meet i've learned that hugh jackman wrote his own theme song for logan really kind of 
embracing the more adult take on the series the fact that they can swear now they're dealing with like bigger themes you know and he uh produced a track with some of the greatest producers today you know there's like 15 swedish producers that have written every hip-hop song in the last 20 years he got in touch with all of them and they all collaborated on a fantastic musical track and he presented it to mangold and uh mangold was just like sorry i love johnny cash too much um and i won't use anything except for johnny cash he's got to be in the trailers he's got to be in my film i really think that wolverine is just johnny cash uh with claws so fuck off and that's the way they went in the end but we have got a version of Hugh Jackman's original song. Brilliant. That he presented to Mangold and it was cruelly tossed away. And now it's in the context that it should be, which is a 109th episode of Film Chat. <laughs> this is the place where he deserves to be. Fantastic. There's been more artistic relevance and depth and meaning in this episode of us just talking than in that film. I couldn't agree more. Well, thanks so much for listening. Join yeah. us next week. We'll be reviewing Get Out, the exciting race-based horror movie from jordan peele yeah which is currently taking the u.s by storm absolutely there yeah and uh something else and some other thing yeah and we'll leave you with a bit of uh hugh jackman singing logan bye bye my name is logan it's not wolverine a superhero no that isn't me i am not fun like in those comics you read I'm sad and bitty and I wish I was dead Fuck you And fuck me I'm not your fucking new daddy Fuck off And fuck this I'm a metal bone sack of dog shit It's the future and it's grim as fuck No more heroes, just soldiers and dust Remember when Professor X ran a school Now he's a urine-soaked, senile old fool Self-harm, suicide Welcome to the fucking real world, guys Gruesome torture, child abuse if you don't like it, go watch Iron Man 2. You're a dick. Anyone so much as smiles at me. In 15 seconds, they get killed horribly. All the stabbing is too much for you to take. You're probably a fucking pussycock snowflake. Fuck my life. You're a dick. Fuck my life. You're a dick. I hate kids. You're a dick. Fuck my life. You're a dick. Fuck my life and fuck it again. This reminds me of that cowboy film, Shane. You're a dick. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.